0: Seven fantastic head coach of the McMaster Marauders, and you're listening to At the
1: 55. Hello, and welcome to At the 55. Your home for OUA football. Today, we bring you a special two-part episode in a way, partly covering the series we've been doing in support of the OFA's Greatness Academy, highlighting members of the football community that highlight excellence, growth, and community, but also giving you a little preview of what is in store for the reigning Yates Cup champion, McMaster Marauders, and there's no better person to speak about all those things and more than the head coach of McMaster Marauders, Coach Stefan Potasik. Coach, how are you doing today? Zach, thanks for having me on. Really good, thank you. Brilliant. Well, you know, I, I've had your name circled on, people I've wanted to talk to for quite a while, uh, for all the all the reasons obviously reasons and more, particularly with the ten year anniversary of what so many have titled the greatest game in football, Canadian football, all the all the different names that's been thrown its way, the twenty eleven Vanier when, when your marauders took out the Laval Rouge Or. And so, on, on this subject, kind of talking about the OFA, the Greatness Academy, I think we need to start there because I remember where I was watching that. I, you know, didn't matter that I was with the Guelph Griffins at the time. I was just so enthralled with that game. I think at a certain point I was pulling for you guys because it's always great to see an OUA team take out, you know, a team at the RICQ. Let's just start there. 10 years out from that game, or almost 10 years out from that game, that season what are the what are the highlight moments that come out to you when you just stop and think about that 2011 season what are the first things that come out to you
0: well it uh, uh laval had it was five for five in national championships or something crazy like that and we hadn't even played in the game in 44 years and the only reason we knew it was uh 67 the last time the leafs won the cup was the last time the marauders <laughs> won the national championship so uh my most proud moment is our guys come out of the tunnel And they circle up to do their pregame rally. And Laval walks almost their entire bench out to the edge of the numbers and is trying to engage them and intimidate them. And they barely notice. They don't take offense. They do their thing. And there's a few guys that notice and are yelled back a little bit. But uh, for them to be in that setting and not overwhelmed and not intimidated a little bit, and we had a fast start, we needed a fast start. Um, I thought uh was unbelievable I, I think you're you've never been there before you're, you're 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 tempted to be overwhelmed you don't know if you can play at the national standard and, and you're playing the national standard and and they entered that game in a great mindset and uh, uh, it was a good start point and we needed it.
1: I have to imagine part of that preparedness that that sort of perhaps calm that that you kind of described that your your team had has to perhaps do with the fact that you were the chosen team by Laval to face them in the preseason, the kind of ritual that they had done for a while where the team they thought they might be facing in the Vanier, which in that particular year, they obviously were spot on, they bring in to face in a preseason matchup. How much of that do you think played into when it came down to it being able to say like, hey, you know what, we've we've been here, we've, we've you know, the sort of this kind of greater than everything image of Laval, it's actually... They're, they're human beings like us. They're students. We've, we've faced them. How much of that helped, do you think?
0: Well, you nailed it. it, it uh, humanizing the, uh, the evil empire and, and, and knowing that, you know what? They got lots of great players. Um, and I think my guys really respected the fact that the, the real strength wasn't they're, – they're, they're very good players. We're not necessarily any better than our very good players. Um, their floor was as high as anything. Their ceiling was manageable. Their good players were good, but they had no weak players. Um, and so from top to bottom, when you were doing a one-on-one rep, uh, there were no false positives. You had to earn your one-on-one rep. And uh, that preseason game definitely gave us that context. And uh, uh, and and they're very, very personable, engaging group. Uh, Coach Constantine uh, runs a tight ship and, and we got to know them a little bit. And, and so I think all of those things helped. And uh, uh, certainly... Um, Not be completely freaked out when uh, the best team in the nation comes out of the tunnel was uh, the preseason gave us
1: uh, gave us that. As a, as a quick sort of aside, I thought in 2014, there was going to be a similar story when a certain team from Guelph went to play Montreal, who was in the Vanier Cup later on that year. However, we hit a roadblock coming out of Ontario and someone else got to play them. So not quite the same ending that you guys got, but I, undoubtedly, uh, I, I completely agree to sort of, yeah. To-
0: <laughs> you guys, if I recall, had some uh, injury at the quarterback position and, and it was uh, it ran out a little bit of gas, but it was a great football team and certainly... Uh, could have gone either way. I think we might have played out a, a, a
1: very tight defensive battle to get out of that game. Well, anytime it was Guelph Mac, it was certainly going to be a low-scoring, beat em up, rough them up matchup. So always, uh, always a fun time facing you and uh, those Greg Knox defenses. My goodness, uh, you know. Speaking of some of those themes, uh, for those who might not know, uh, there's an incredible little mini doc that TSN put together about that season, about that. Van a run uh which is on i think it's on youtube i think U sports has it on there um what was that like putting that together because i remember when i saw that i was like this reminds me of watching like nfl films kind of like the the, their, the america's game type thing what was that like when they approached you to do that was that something that like they had talked about at all or was how did that all come together because i don't think they've done anything like that since or nothing i've seen before it was a bit of
0: a perfect storm in the sense that uh um, it was such a great game, and uh, it was tied to the CFL's great cup weekend. And um, my wife worked at TSN, which probably didn't hurt <laughs> at all either. So after that 211 game, we're uh, just walking through uh, uh, downtown Vancouver, and we asked, we ran into some of the producers, and we asked, How were the numbers? And they said, Oh, they won't be great because the leash played that night. And as it turned out, nobody went to bed, the numbers were outstanding. And it, it created this groundswell of interest. The 2012, the rematch, is the largest sporting event I think ever held in U Sport history because there was 37,000 people the second year for the rematch. And it, 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 all that groundswell, I think they wanted to support it, and they, they put together that that half hour uh, uh, show to, to to pump up the rematch. And uh, uh, certainly, it's helped us in recruiting, and is something that's pretty unique to U Sport. Um, but I, I played with the Argos for several years, and man, when you came out of that tunnel, uh, Argos—if they got 20, was pretty good. Uh, it Was nothing like when we came out in 212 to play them again, and there's 37,000. And and I—I'll I'll be honest, I, I think 7 or 8,000 uh, Rouge Or fans came down the 401 to see the game, but there was 25 to 30,000 Marauder fans, and it uh, uh, again, Marauder Nation is a, a quiet group, but when they rally, it's it's a big group, and that was. Uh, Uh, It wasn't our day, uh, but it was a showcase for what U Sport can be and and, and should be in the future. And and I hope we get back to that point.
1: Well, I can certainly say, as one of the, as me and my father being two of that 37,000, that there certainly was a very strong Laval Rouget or contingent there as well. But as you mentioned, a really great McMaster uh, cohort that was there. Kind of pivoting on that idea to sort of talk about the culture of football at McMaster and kind of bring us perhaps into the modern day. a little bit now Uh, you know I always going back to some of those uh, Guelph and Mac Yates Cup matchups I and even just you know when it was the first game of the season because that was always for a while play you guys in the first week and then we'd play in the last week of the season which is never worked out great for us but um, I always thought that your I I don't know with in-game ops or however the student body compared to a lot of other schools really bring it and as a away player, it's actually really cool because it gives you that sense of like this feels like a real deal, which is sometimes hard to come by in, with football in Canada, even at the the pro level where, you know, you say with your time with the Argos and someone's gone to a lot of Argos games growing up, that stadium when they were at Skydome could feel very cavernous at times. Um, what is the sort of secret sauce you guys are going at McMaster? Obviously, that's perhaps more on the, uh, you know, game operation side, but... Do you have that sense that there's a little little extra something when you guys really put it together for a Vanya or a playoff run or a homecoming, all those things? Because it definitely has an away player felt different from anything else I experienced in another stadium.
0: Uh, that's a huge compliment. Thank you, Zach. The uh, I, I do think the uh, the template is is excellent. So Therese Quigley and, and the crew that built the stadium, um, there's no track. It, you, you, the stands are right on top of the game. Um, it's in the heart of campus. Um, I know Guelph and McMaster have this advantage. I don't think we appreciate like Queens and Western and some of these other stadiums are either on the very edge or off campus. Uh, it's harder to engage your student body. Um, and then I think the McMaster uh, community at large, um, I think our faculties and, and our, our support staff um, across the campus, there's, there's lots of football fans in there and, and just, just all of that intertwining, especially when you're having a good year. Um, takes a 2,000-person crowd to 3 or 3,500 and, and engaged opponents like yourselves and, and some of these rivalries where lots of the visiting fans come down the road. That takes a 3,500-seat stadium and brings it to 4 or 5 and, and, and suddenly you've got a great atmosphere. And, and so it, uh, uh, our departments, uh, Mark Alfano has always done a wonderful job um, embedding the, the football game with as much support as he can, and um, I, I think what what you guys have done with some of your uh, home games and and uh, Mr. Lang, I think, really improved that 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 atmosphere in home games uh, at Guelph. Uh, it's it's a moving target and a work in progress, but it, it certainly is a compliment to get from a visiting player that that's a fun place to go play. Uh, that uh, that's what we aspire to when we open the gates.
1: So now fast forwarding, we're in 2021. Now the I guess without doing the research on it, you have to be the longest reigning Yates cup champion, I guess, like the without playing a game without right. playing. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's kind of go over a little bit of, cause for fans and for those of us trying to cover, it's been a bit tricky to figure out, you know, because obviously while there've been no football, many of the students have still been finishing their degrees and moving on. And of course, some people perhaps just moving on from football with all the things that this pandemic has, has brought. Um, Let's, can we just get a little preview of perhaps some of the names of players, whether on the veteran side of things? Obviously, you know, when we think about that team of uh, uh, from twenty nineteen, obviously, fast forward to who might be back. We're thinking of guys like Justice Allen for you. I mean, the standout DB Josh Comber, what he was able to do for you. Um, but I'm just, I'm curious, who are the guys that so far you're really excited for, and who are perhaps some young guys that people might not know about that to really look forward to on the field?
0: We, uh, I think. Our quarterback room is as healthy as it's ever been. Andres Duick was, uh, I think, one of the uh, superstars of, of U-sport and, and maybe unsung. Uh, but he's he's pretty special and he's back. Uh, the freshman, Keegan Hall out of Nelson, is going to push him every step of the way. And, and uh, they've been throwing uh, probably 60, 70 times over the last COVID year. And, and they look fantastic. Um, and they will be the leaders of the football team. Um, our our CFL potential student athletes, which Zach is always a bit of a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> we get at least one of them back. Um, Tyson Middlemost and Tommy Neal, two of our receivers, uh, have both stuck in the CFL. And then the two O linemen that that were in camps, Joe Benz and Jacob Zott, are, are also uh, both uh, uh, sticking in the CFL. And so. Um, usually you'd expect one out of four. And we wondered in COVID if we'd get more than one out of four. And we didn't get more than one out of four. Um so they're great student athletes and not shocked that they they the CFL recognizes that and keeping them. But that those are our four big losses and, and we'll we'll manage it. But uh um our O line we've we've got uh uh three starters back and, and uh Taylor Burns is the second year kid who's actually because we miss a year, he's now all of a sudden <laughs> And uh, Max Guy and Jacob Bradley were the two tackles to hold the fort. So on offense, we'll be okay. You've mentioned Justice Allen, and he'll lead a, a fill a, a big set of shoes. And, and Mr. Lyons, Jordan has uh, has graduated and moved on. Um, on the defensive side, Josh Cumber and Nolan Putt and that secondary are going to be back. And uh, Coach Brady's defense, they gotta they gotta have some smart wily guys, and and he'll uh, he'll choke you out with his. Uh, uh, with his pressure and, and his student athletes' ability to play zone, um, Nate Edwards is the fifth-year linebacker coming back, and, and he'll hold the fort at the, the linebacker position. Eric Pajolski's is back in the middle, uh, and so uh, that's uh, we got some seniors um, on the back end. And then I think maybe the the group that will catch people by surprise is that D line, um, and so Mitch Lyons is a, a graduated senior in, in the middle, but we have. Uh, a bunch of freshmen from the class that never got to play that are really good up front. Um, and we got a, a nice mix of returning vets in that D line. Um, we're really excited to see go. Um, it's weird because I don't know who will make it to the opening kickoff and survive this year. I, I feel like, um, cause we haven't played full contact football in two years and you like the, uh, Saskatchewan Roughriders open training camp and they have four heels and one drill. Um, Youth youth sport program doesn't have the athletes to plug and play. If we have something like that happen, uh, we go from being a contender to trying to find a way to squeak into the playoffs. And the margins, I think, are going to be very tight. I do think it's going to help that the eight teams will make the playoffs this year, not six. Uh, but I don't think there's a huge difference. One of the strengths of our league over these last few years used to be the eighth place team playing the first place team would not be a competitive football game way back in the day. And I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. Um, I, I feel like the gap in Ontario is is, is narrowing. And so um, in this weird COVID year, uh, who you start with and who you finish with could be very different. Um, and where you are, Uh, with your personnel week one versus week six. uh, We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So no bold predictions here. Humbly got to find a way to win three or more football games out of six to get into the playoffs. And I think the team that stays the most healthy will have a shot because, again, I think there's six or seven of us that have enough talent to win the Yates Cup. It's who's going to have players left at the end of this. Um, And we, Yeah, I don't know how else to do it because there's going to be extra injury because we just haven't played this type of sport in, in a long time.
1: Well, I mean, certainly looking at any of the pro leagues that have resumed play since uh, the break for the pandemic, it really seems like it, even the pro levels, that's the same story. It's like, well, who's been able to stay healthy? And that's kind of written the story of their season, mentioning those uh, names of the guys that stuck in the CFL. And of course, you mentioning Jacob Zott, uh, a little more than just stuck uh, for those who might have caught the uh, Red Blacks first game. He was starting there at left guard. That must have been something special to see him out there. Um but you mentioned Andreas duick which was a name where, once again, based on the eligibility where he was academically, a little unsure whether he was going to be back or not. And uh, I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned a bit, uh, whether you said underrated or or just doesn't get the attention. And what I've loved about watching your offense these last few years, and I think duick has been the perfect quarterback for it, is that you have all this talent in the world at receiver, in the backfield, Duick at quarterback, a standout offensive line doing their stuff, but it all works together. It's everyone kind of plays their role, and I think that's what's made the team so effective. But obviously, that's a for especially young athletes who've been stars, their high school programs, their summer league programs, all those things, you might have to humble yourself a little bit to have that recognition of, as part of this whole, we will achieve more versus just trying to be the standout or maybe make an all-you sports team or get all these accolades what do you think, um, or what do you have to say about your players and just on that subject of, from an outsider's perspective, an offense where everyone plays their role so well and is able to accept that perhaps in another system you'd get more stats or more coverage or you could be the guy, but versus like, yeah. let's just have success as a team and that's best for everyone.
0: Yeah, it, uh, you've got the answer in that question right there. <laughs> it, it Figuring out that the uh, the goal is the Yates Cup and anything on top of that is... is 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 not the goal and the stats and and the attention is a sidebar of a great season. We're trying to have a great season. I think your captains are pretty key in in establishing that culture. Uh, Blake reason was um, uh, one of our fullbacks who played in certain personnel sets, but wasn't on the field at all times. So took tremendous pride in his special teams. And when he was out there, he was out there. Um, uh, Xander to is, is a kid that could play CFL receiver and, um, I could see him on the sidelines going, I'm out of breath. And I think he's grabbing the freshman to throw out in special teams so he can do his offensive reps without being tired. And he goes, I am not going to let Guelph get a big return. I need you to take the first two reps on offense so that I can get down my, fifth, my butt down the field and make the special teams tackle. And, and so um, these are kids that could care less if they ever touch the ball. If we win by one point at the end of the day, they're super happy. Um, and they'll demand that of the freshman. And they'll build that culture for the next generation, um, and and so it. Uh, and then Dre, the the quarterback, if if he he's not going to ask you to do anything, he's not willing to do a hundred times over, and and so he's at every workout and, and he's at everything. Um, and and the quarterback, I'm willing to make that commitment and set that example. I think is is big. Um, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I do think there's six or seven teams that have the talent. Uh, the one that rolls up their sleeves and is willing to be selfless and, and just uh, do what needs to be done to win is the one that's going to have the best chance. And, and margins being tight, those little intangibles, I think, matter a whole bunch. And it's one of my favorite reasons for watching the OUA and, and being a big fan.
1: Last thing I'd love to ask uh, you about, Coach, and I, I think it was Coach Brady that was perhaps more at the forefront of this. But uh, the the women in coaching role that you've uh, promoted on your team, um, mm-hmm where did that sort of idea come from how has that worked in putting it together and sort of what kind of response have you gotten so far and perhaps just a little breakdown of it for people who might not be as familiar with the story
0: coach brady and myself totally support it but it is coach grants Coach uh, grants pardon me yes uh uh little baby and and actually we're all um we're all Fathers of strong-willed young women. Uh, Coach Brady's little girl, Jordan, and, and uh, Coach Grant and Coach myself. We all have uh, little girls in, in the family. Um, we're really not in the business of winning football games. We're in the business of uh, helping young men grow up and, and find their place in this world and have to be solid human beings. Um, and... The, One of the key ways you do that is the the individuals you put at the front of the room, the role models and examples and family men and and the integrity of the human beings at the front of the room influence the the young man in the room. Um, You're really working with only half the equation if every person you put in the front of the room is male. Uh, And so uh, I, I think. Uh, women in coaching is a uh, is a harder one than most sports because full contact sport is is something that they don't necessarily get in their youth or get exposed to. Although both the the women that we hired had played full contact football at the high school level or beyond, which was very unique. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, they're going to help us more than we help them. Um, they're very smart, bright uh, young women, uh, and. Uh, I think the key is just watching how the interaction between coaches uh, does not change and watching how a talented human being, male or female, um, adds value uh, will be an invaluable lesson for all my guys. And at the end of the day, uh, just teaching them that is is a big part of, of, of what we're trying to do, which is just create good people.
1: And no doubt anyone who's ever been in a football locker room or on a football team, I mean, the, the a lot of the training staff a lot of time are female so it's not odd to have women as part of the staff in one part of the game as far as say recovery and that stuff so it's it's it obviously for the obvious reasons it's clear that you know that you know we can expand this into all realms of the game and obviously hopefully first team through the door many more will fall suit and you know it'll be a brilliant to just see what comes of this and it's uh, to you and your staff for uh putting this together uh you know caps off to you guys um because i think it's a, it's a great initiative um and as you said it'll probably bring benefits for you guys that for your team that other teams are missing out on from not having those perspectives and just those those great people helping out um back i was i
0: was kidding with uh our film guy like most film guys lives in the stadium in the season <laughs> downloading and, and some nights uh it's just easier for him to jump over to the couch fall asleep and in the morning you, you open the door and there's there's our film guy and and uh and so culturally there'll be a few things we need to adjust with uh if it's one of our women coaches walking in in the morning he cannot be sleeping <laughs> um, and so some of the informal part of the workplace that uh, that is football is is we're, we're gonna make sure is, is a, a good setting for everybody um but uh that's a small hurdle for what's going to be a great program
1: No doubt. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck in training camp and through this season. As we say hello to your dog as well and goodbye to your dog as well. Um, Best of luck this season, Coach. Uh, I can't wait to see what the season holds for you.
0: It's going to be a great year. Uh, Hopefully we keep these young athletes as healthy as we can. And it's just like the regular OUA. It's been a long time coming and we're all excited for it. Thanks, Zach.
1: Take care, Coach.